this message. I want to say hi to the people up in Bath at Midcoast, Kevin and Kim and all the people up in Life Church Midcoast. We had some people from the Midcoast Church down in our service last last service, and it was just good to see them. And good to see you all. You guys doing good? Loving Jesus, loving life, living large, right? That's us, right? Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, that, that video just displays a little bit of a transformation from people involved in strife to being in a good place. So I'm going to talk to you today about the disciple who I think underwent the greatest transformation. And that's the Apostle John. When we think of John, if you've been paying any attention to this series, by the way, almost every scripture so far has come from the Gospel of John or the books of First and Second John because he's referred to as the Apostle of Love. And so that's how we know him, you know, this amazingly loving Apostle. But do you know where he started? The Bible intentionally gives us this little picture, a story of John, John and uh, James, uh, the, pic- the story is uh, Jesus went to a Samaritan village and the Samaritans didn't want uh, to listen to him, didn't want to receive him. So they left the village going on to the next place and James and John come up to Jesus and said, Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven and torch this village. Wow. I mean, think about that. Where does your, where does your heart and head have to be? Somebody doesn't want to listen to me. Let's just call down fire from heaven. Wouldn't that work great in church? If you don't like my sermon, just just torture right here. Wouldn't that that would you know that would people would pay a little closer attention if you knew that was the effect? If you didn't, but I can, I think it just shows you something about where he was at. Uh, you know why does God include a story like that? He wants to let you know that this guy started in a rough spot. You you know you don't have a lot of love in your heart when you want to kill people because they don't want to listen to you. And from that event, the Bible tells us this interesting uh, little tidbit that Jesus gave those to a nickname called the Sons of Thunder. Everybody say the Sons of Thunder. What a, I, when I hear that, I think Jesus is just kind of playing with them. I think he's having, how, how many know the disciples? They had a little bit of fun. I'm just picturing Jesus in, in following events, like when the Pharisees didn't want to listen to Jesus. Jesus probably said, well, where, where are my thunder boys? Where's the Sons of Thunder? What do you guys think we should do here? I think he was just having fun with them. But still, it's just interesting that he gave them such a title, Sons of Thunder. Well, the Sons of Thunder ended up in a completely different spot. That was at the beginning of their ministry with Jesus. And at the end, we see John with this amazing transformation. In fact, at the Last Supper, just before Jesus goes to the cross, the Bible gives us this interesting picture of John. In John chapter 13, the Bible says there was reclining on Jesus' bosom, on his chest, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So this is John, and he's so close to Christ that he's literally laying his head on Jesus' chest. Now, I don't know if any of these artists' rendition are accurate, so I included three different ones, but just a picture. This is the Last Supper, and here's John with his head on Jesus' chest. Do you ever feel like that? You just want to just lay your head on his chest and... I know I feel like that. I mean, it's, it, this is common knowledge that a lot of pastors deal with this. I know a lot of pastors, and Mondays are usually bad days for pastors. They get a little bit discouraged, you know, all the things that didn't go right on Sunday. 
you know, the people that they, you know, wanted to see that weren't there and all the offering wasn't what they wanted it to be. And, oh, the sermon just wasn't the way I wanted it. And they get a little discouraged. And I feel like that on Monday. And I go from office to office, just seeking some, seeking some help. I try to lay my head on their shoulder. I try to start with Raquel and She'll put up with me a little bit, pet me a little bit, and then she just sends me on. I go to Pam's office. She just says, get out, go next. She just sends me on. You know, Tom, he'll, he'll give me some encouragement. Oh, but now Kevin, Kevin, uh, and Kim is full-time with us now, and, and again, hey, Kevin and Kim, they're, I think they're, you guys are going to be watching this one up in, in Midcoast. And Kevin now, he'll, I finally found somebody who'll comfort me. He'll just, oh, Brian, it's okay. But Kevin doesn't, he doesn't know how to lie yet. He keeps, he just tells the truth. He says, oh, Brian, it was, it, it was a stinky sermon. That's right. It wasn't very good, but, but you'll do better. You'll do better. I'm like, oh, thank you, Kevin. He's so encouraging. But, you know, we've all felt that way, but here it just displays the relationship that they have. Obviously, he has grown so close to Christ, and then we see at the cross, you all know the story, at the cross, Jesus looks down from the cross, and his mother, Mary, is there, and we understand that Joseph has, has passed on. Joseph, the father, um, is no longer alive, and Jesus entrusts Mary to John, the, the, the disciple John. Uh, and the Bible tells us that Mary went to live in his home from that point. So from the cross, Jesus... Now, again, what, what picture does that give you of the relationship that Jesus and John had? What picture does that give you of how much confidence Jesus had in John? He wants his mother at John's house. Well, interestingly enough, this Last Supper, where this is happening... Um, that's a, you know, you guys know the story. That's where Jesus, you know, this is my body. This is my, this is my body. This is my blood, you know, sacrifice for you. He's explaining to them, you know, he's going to the cross for them. All right. Well, at the end of it, he's, as he's explaining the sacrifice he's going to make, Peter, uh, the apostle Peter says, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I'm ready to die for you. And you probably remember this. Jesus said, really, you're ready to die for me. Well, Peter, uh, before this night is over, you're going to deny you even know me three times. That happened again at the same event where at this, at this supper, that, that event happened with Peter. Now, interestingly enough, and all, the Bible says all the other disciples said the same thing. They all said, you know, Lord, we're ready to die for you, okay? But interestingly enough, how many of the 12 ended up at the cross? How many of them were there? One. There was only one. Who was that one? John. And I think there's a lesson there. And I believe when Peter said that, he meant it. Lord, I'm ready to die for you. But I think the lesson is that relationship and love will take you places that determination won't. Peter had determination. He had, you know, that grit. I'm going to do it. And sometimes in this series, building relationships, I think that's sometimes the way we go at it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to love this person if it kills me. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to be kind. I'm going to do it. How many discovered that it takes a little bit more than determination, right? We need a relationship. We need some, we need some love to fill our tank. And that's really the point of this message, that if you don't know how to just take a dip, to put your cup into that well of God's love, like John did, and drink from his presence, his grace, his love, his spirit, and, and get your heart full of his love, then all the determination in the world isn't going to help. Well, from this event here, uh, 
the Gospel of John. This happens in John 13, the Last Supper. Then there's five chapters from John 13 through John chapter 18 all happen in the few hours between the Last Supper and when they take Jesus, when they arrest him. There's about three or four hours there. And John records five chapters of information. Five, none of the other disciples really record any of it. But John records five chapters of everything that happened. Jesus is giving them his final instructions before he leaves the planet. And if I had to pick just one verse out of there of John 15, 9, uh, this really is the theme. In these five chapters, the word love appears 19 times. So he's explaining to them, Jesus is explaining to them, I think this. He says, I, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Everybody say these words. Say, remain in my love. That's what he's teaching them. Just before he leaves the planet, he's teaching them how to remain in his love. And here's the bottom line. If we'll remain in his love, our hearts will change. We will find the strength it takes to to love and have loving relationships. So all these chapters, and we're just going to go through. In fact, if you'll open your Bible with me to John chapter 15. uh, If you're using that Pew Bible, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Um, So that Pew Bible is going to be on page 824 if you want to open that one up of John chapter 15. And we're going to look a little bit at these chapters of Jesus explaining how to remain in his love, how to draw on that strength, right? John chapter 15, look at the fifth verse, verse number five of John 15. Again, it's on page 824 if you want to, I hope you will. I hope you'll follow along because we're going to spend some time in the Bible today and it'll help you if, you if you're looking at this along with us. Verse five, Jesus said this, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me. Everybody say remain. 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 That, word, that word appears in, uh, several times. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of us have proven that scripture to be true? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Occasionally I flop just on purpose, just to prove that scripture true. I just, I just do a flop and say, Lord, I just wanted to prove John fifteen five true. Once again, Lord, I have proven that apart from you, I can do nothing. Your word is true, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse six. Anyone who does not, everybody say remain again. Remain again and again. That word repeats. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Withers. Isn't that a perfect description of how your heart feels when you're not receiving from Christ, when you're not drawing on his spirit? Anybody been in a place where your heart is withering, and when your heart is withering, you get crabby. Anybody been crabby before? Your heart is withering. I picture the, the Wizard of Oz where they splash the water on the Wicked Witch, and she's melting. Anybody been withering before? Well, when your heart is withering and you're crabby, how helpful are relationship tips? You know, you're withering, and you hear Rick Warren say, well, we just need to be kind. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. Just be kind. Hey, Raquel. I say, I love you, honey. Rick says, well, just give a hug. How about a bear hug? You just, I mean, when you're withering, your heart is just in a place where all the relationship tips in the world don't help. They just don't help. You need to be in a different place. You need to be drawing on a different source. And that's what he's telling us in these verses, how to be drawing on that different source, all right? Look at verse seven of John 15. Jesus goes on and says this, if you remain in me, there's the word again, if you remain, if you remain in me 
and my words remain in you. See, now he's really giving us the key of how, because here's the bottom line, how, okay, you, you sold me, Pastor Brown. I want to I wanna remain. How do I do it? So I'm just going to explain really quickly, how, how do we do this? How do we remain in him? How do, we, how do we remain in his love? And out of that love, do good things. Well, first of all, there's just two things I'm going to share with you. Number one is the word remain itself. Again, one more time, say remain. A huge part of the answer is in the word itself. Just think about that word, remain. How about right here and right now? No matter how bad we want, can we right now, can we remain in Texas right now? Can we? No matter how big your faith is, how much you want it, you can't remain in Texas, can you? You can't, what is the only place on planet earth you can remain right now? Right here. And this isn't, this isn't hard to figure out. You can only remain here, why? Because you are here. And this is so huge, it's so simple, but most of the things that are the most profound in your life are just this simple. The biggest key to actually drawing up from the love of Christ and living that life of love is recognizing where you are. Because far too often we waste energy, we waste mental energy, we stress and we fuss and we fight trying to get to a place that is humanly impossible to get to. We fight to get to a place where we should remain. We remain. How, how do you get into Christ to begin with? Well, the exact same way that you remain there. Jesus said, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. It's just this simple. It happens this way. It happened this way for the disciples. It happens this way for us. His word comes to us. The word of God is alive and it has an interesting way. I mean, Christ and his spirit has an interesting way of bringing his word alive to you. And you just recognize the reality of God, the reality of Christ, and you simply respond to his word. That's the way you get saved. That's the way you get into his family. Now he's telling you, you, you got into my family that way. Just remain there and continue to respond to my word. Don't make it harder than it is. But again, if you don't recognize where you are every day, your, your devotion time, your connection with God, it needs to start with remaining. And again, I'm gonna repeat this. Every inch and every ounce of time you waste trying, fighting to get into a good place, to get into God's presence, to get into his love. Every, every ounce of energy you f- waste fighting to get in is wasted time. And actually you're losing ground. You're digging yourself a hole because you're, you're implying to yourself, well, I'm not there. I'm not there. No. Again, one more time. Say remain. Remain. Remain starts with the revelation of where I am. I am in his love. I am in his family. I am his child. I am in his presence. I am in his hand. I am in his power. Does this make sense? That's where we are. So just one more time, say remain. Doesn't it feel better already? You remain. You remain. The hugest part is just right there. All right, and the second thing, you remain. Now, again, I'd, I'd like to spend half an hour on that right there because once you get that, uh, that is huge. You just remain, and then you continue to do the very same thing that got you into the first time. You just respond. I mean, the way you got into his family, he's the one who chased you down. The hound of heaven was knocking on your door. He chased you down. All you did is say, okay, you said yes. We'll just continue to say yes. Continue to respond. And if you'll remain and continue to respond, you will find his love 
you continue to drink from that well, you'll continue to find his love, his strength, his grace coming into you. And from that source, you will do amazing things and love will flow out of your heart. So with that, uh, turn your page back to John chapter 14. And I'm gonna give you just a couple uh, examples of just exactly how to do this. How do I remain in his love and his, his words and his words remain in me? Now, this is something you should be doing every day of your life on your own. So we're just gonna get a couple practical examples of how to just respond to his word, all right? Take a drink from that well. John chapter 14 and verse one. Now, keep in mind, this is Jesus. I mean, the, the last supper has just ended. All right, these are the few hours before he goes to the cross and he's encouraging his disciples, all right? Chapter 14 and verse one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Just notice those words, just stop right there. Don't let your heart be troubled. And again, the rest of the message, I'm just gonna try to teach you practically how to respond to God's word. That's the whole rest of the message. Let's just take this example right here. Jesus just said, how many think Jesus knows what he's talking about? You think he knows what he's talking about? Jesus just said, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I've been told this a hundred times and every one of us have thought this. But Pastor Brian, anxiety or stress, it just comes like a wave and I have no control over it. It just, it just knocks me over and knocks me flat and I'm just stressed and I have no control over it, Pastor Brian. Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, that's what we think, and maybe that's been our practice for a week, a month, a year. And the longer you keep practicing that, the more you convince yourself that's the truth. But Jesus Christ, who knows all things, said, don't let your heart be troubled. So step number one is just realizing, I obviously, obviously there's a wheel on this car. And obviously I got my hand on it. Obviously I do. I must have more control than I think. Don't let it. I mean, there's a first place to start right there. And again, that's just how to receive from his word is just whatever he says. All right, Lord, you said, don't let my heart be troubled. And all right, I can do it. Well, he then, thank God, he continues to give you some instructions as to how. How do I keep my heart from being troubled? Here's the steps. Trust in God. How would you say? Ah. Trust in God. He's in charge. He's doing better than you think. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then along the same lines, he's continuing to endeavor to encourage them. There is more than enough room in my father's house, in my father's home. Jesus has explained to them, he's about to finish his job and go to heaven, all right? There's enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you. By the way, humanly speaking, on our end of the stick, Jesus has such a nice way of saying things, by the way, but on our end of the stick, when Jesus comes and gets us, humanly speaking, what does that look like? What do we call that on our end of the stick? It is what you think it is. <laughs> that, what, did Jesus just say that when your job is done, I will bump you off? Is that what he just said? That's exactly what he just said. That is exactly what he just said. And you, you're tempted to think, okay, Jesus, you're, I mean, you're trying to teach me how to, to not be stressed and not to how my, allow my heart to be troubled. I mean, you know, thank you for talking about that right now. But Jesus has the most amazing way. When he wants to encourage you throughout the Bible, he never pulls out the pom-poms and says, whoo, you're great, you're awesome, you can do it. Woo! 
go team. He never does that. He goes to the very thing that you're tempted to be most discouraged about, and he deals with the bottom end. He deals with the very thing you're struggling with, which is our life, and the thing that we would fear the most is, is our death. And he goes right to that. And exact, this is what he's telling the disciples. And by the way, when you receive the word of God like this for yourself, it becomes so encouraging. What Jesus just told the disciples is, guys, I'm, my work is getting done. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm finishing my work. And then I'm going to be with the father forever. And what he just told them is, you're going to get your work done too. And when you're done, I'm going to come and get you. Now, when you hear God say that to you, Brian, you're going to get your job done. What is my job, by the way? Well, the only thing you can take with you to heaven are people. So your job is loving and serving the people that he sends you. And when you hear God say, Brian, you're going to get your job done. This is how you take a drink from the well. Let's just make it really practical. Close your eyes. Go ahead. Close your eyes. Hopefully you're doing this every day all on your own. But just close your eyes and just repeat this. Just, just again, just, just hear the, first of all, I'm going to just share this with you and then I'll, I'll have you repeat in just a second. But just, first of all, just hear this, hear this word as Jesus speaking to you. You're going to get your job done. You're going to love the people I send you. You're going to serve the people I send you. You're going to get your job done on this planet. And when you're done, I'll come and get you. Now just repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth. Lord, thank you for the truth that I get my job done. I love the people you send me. I serve the people you send me. And when I'm done, you come and get me. All right, look back up. It's just little things like that. If you actually receive that personally, that does something. When you know that you're, that really is playing out your whole life. He's showing you your end and the thing that you fear the most works out great. It just does something to your soul. It takes care of everything in between. Look at, look at go over to chapter, uh, verse 15 rather, in chapter 14. We're just gonna take a couple pit stops. These are things you're supposed to be doing every day, just receiving God's word. Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, that's when you're going to have, have his love. Verse 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, obey my commandments. He said, and I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into, everybody say all truth. Jesus is telling them, he's encouraging them, saying, gang, if you have faith in me, I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit into your life and the Holy Spirit's gonna lead you into all truth. Now, when we think that, sometimes we think, okay, well, the Holy Spirit leads me into Bible truth. And that's true. The Holy Spirit is your Bible teacher, for sure. But is, is all truth more inclusive than just Bible truth? Of course it is. He is telling you that he's gonna lead you into all truth. He's gonna, he knows the truth about you. He knows the truth about your life. He knows the truth about your future. He knows the truth about what you should be doing. And Jesus is telling you, gang, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you and he's gonna lead you into all truth. How about this topic of building relationships? If you're having relational issues... I'll almost promise you that's because somebody in the relationship doesn't know the truth. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, first of all, you start seeing the truth about yourself. If there's relational, relationship problems, you start seeing the truth about yourself. You start realizing that you are not perfect yourself. 
you start realizing that you maybe are a little bit of a bonehead on occasion, and you see the truth about yourself. And in addition to that, the Holy Spirit will help you see the truth about this other person. He'll give you compassion for other people. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And again, I'm encouraging every day as you read the word, stop at something like that and say, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads me into all truth. And whatever you're struggling with, just stop right there. Don't leave it on the shelf. Say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? What is the truth? And just let him teach you, let him show you. All right, let's flip over. Look at one other example. In verse 27 of the same chapter, Jesus says this, I am leaving you with a gift. Anybody like gifts? I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Wow. Jesus just told us that he's putting peace of mind and peace of heart. He's giving it to us as a gift. And here's, please, if everybody just look up here really quick. You guys, some of you are still reading. Just, just look up here really quick. This is so huge and it's so important. And as a pastor, it just grieves my heart to know that I, because I've talked to so many people who are literally having anxiety attacks. I mean, they're just overwhelmed with details of life when literally six inches from your nose is a gift, is peace of mind and peace of heart that's right there. But they've never learned, and they, they believe in God and they have faith in Christ, but they've never learned how practically and on purpose to just open a gift. How many of you at Christmas time, anybody like gifts? And, and when you see all those presents under the tree and it's Christmas morning, it's time to open up, don't you just want to just come down there and just sit and look at the packages? Just look at them, that's all. Just, just want to look. Just let them sit there all year, right? That's not what you do, is it? I mean, it starts all neat and orderly, sure. You know, all the big pile and then, oh, let's, we'll, we'll have June go first. And you pretend you're that first lap around, uh, you're really neat and orderly, and, and you pretend to be interested while they're opening their present. Oh, slippers. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's cool, slippers. Oh, is there fur, fur inside, though? That's, what kind of fr- rabbit fur? That's, it's good to know two rabbits gave their life to warm your feet. That's awesome. I love fur. And you, you know, you, it's, it's all nice and slow and you again, you're just, but then after about two rounds, what do you do? You just, ah, you just dive in and why? You open your presence, right? You want to get inside that box. And far too often as Christian people, the whole world, the whole word of God is full of these things where God is offering you gifts. He's setting these things out there, but we're like window shoppers. We just, we think the Bible is just like window shopping. You just read something like that. no. Peace of mind and heart. Oh, awesome. And you keep reading and, you know, that day, have a day full of stress. Don't leave that on the shelf. Don't be a window shopper and just look at it. If Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift, you take it. You open it. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Brian? Well, I just did it a minute ago, a minute ago with you. Let's do it again. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads, and you just, you you'd meditate on his word? You listen to it. So just listen to this again. I'm leaving you with a gift. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Now just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. That's about half of you. Let's pray this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your gift, for peace of mind, for peace in my heart. 
Lord, right now, I trust you with my life. And I know that you're working everything together for my good. And I trust you. So Lord, thank you today for peace of mind, for peace of heart. I am full of your peace. And today, I'm gonna walk in your peace. I'm gonna walk in your joy. I'm gonna walk in your love. In Jesus' name. Now, hopefully, something similar to that is something you're doing every day. Just this morning, you know, we've encouraged the whole body to read Rick Warren's devotional. Just this morning, I woke up, and it's not normal for me, but I woke up with this real negative thought just went through my brain just, just as I woke up, which isn't normal for me, but I, I'm sitting there, and then I opened up my, my phone, and, and Rick Warren's devotional is on version, and I read it, and the Word of God, and he shares a little bit from it, it takes you about four minutes to read it, it answered exactly that negative thought in my brain. But I didn't just leave it on. I didn't just read it. I applied it. I received it. Every day, take the word of God, read that devotional, and every day receive it. Because out of that well, if you're doing this every day, receiving that out of that well, that's how you remain in his love. And then you have strength to love and to give and to serve. Amen? Let me just pray for you. And we're going to end today. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, you have filled your word with amazing gifts for us. And I pray, God, that we're not going to be window shoppers. We don't just believe in you out there. Lord, we trust you. Lord, open our heart to receive your gifts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody says?